What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Tuesday, June 15th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we give you the news in less time than it takes to read an apology by Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, and in way less time than it takes to read all of the responses to the apology from Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, exactly. We are cutting out all of the noise for you, you know? Yeah, it's just us doing news. On today's show, Ben Rhodes tells us what to watch for in President Biden's meeting tomorrow with Russian President Vladimir Putin in Geneva. That's right. And that's Biden's final stop as part of his first overseas trip as president. Before this, he attended a G7 summit. Then he had a meeting with NATO allies. And it was after that NATO conference in Brussels yesterday where he laid out how he is going to walk into tomorrow's meeting with Putin. I shared with our allies that I'll convey to what I'll convey to President Putin, that I'm not looking for conflict with Russia but that we will respond if Russia continues its harmful activities. Yeah, and Russia is one of the top priorities for much of the world. Earlier on, NATO leaders had reportedly condemned the country for various human rights abuses, election interference, and more. Yeah, and the other priority is obviously China. At both the G7 and NATO meetings, world leaders expressed their concerns about China's growing influence, as well as its history on human rights, transparency, and more. Although they also called for a, quote, constructive dialogue with China whenever possible, including on climate change. So given all this, we wanted to check in with Ben Rhodes, former deputy national security advisor in the Obama administration and a host of Pod Save the World, to talk about the takeaways from Biden's trip and what to expect in Biden's meeting with Putin tomorrow. Ben? Welcome to Wad. I'm so glad to be with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, we're going to get to Putin in a moment. There's a lot to talk about there, of course. But first, the world leaders came together uh, to talk pretty tough on China. What did you take away from that? And what could that actually mean for relations down the road? Well, I think what uh, Biden's trying to do is he's trying to get the world's democracies to come together to focus on China as the the, the threat, the challenge, the competitor in kind of every way, shape and form, from our security to our economic difficulties to human rights practices. And it's a tougher sell than it, it sounds like because, number one, you know, those European countries, for instance, they have deep economic relationships with China that they don't want to put at risk. And number two, they, they're not sure that the United States is the safest bet in the world. You know, they're right. looking yeah. over Joe Biden's shoulder and they see a bunch of lunatics in the Republican Party, including Donald Trump, ready to run again. And, you know, one trip isn't going to put those doubts to rest. But, I mean, I think what they're doing is they're changing the agenda. We want to talk about climate change, COVID, China. These are different issues than, you know, the Trump era G7, uh, shall we say. And and it's a step in the right direction. Right, right, right. I mean, let's talk about Russia for a second. So the relationship between Biden and Putin is frosty, I think, at best. Um, and both leaders agree that the U.S.-Russia relations are pretty much at a low point. Um, but here's Biden yesterday framing his side of tomorrow's meeting. I'm going to make clear to President Putin that there are areas where we can't cooperate 
if he chooses. And if he chooses not to cooperate and acts in a way that he has in the past relative to cybersecurity and some other activities, then we will respond. We will respond in kind. It sounds like when my mom would yell at me for using the computer too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll see yeah. what's going to happen, you know. <laughs> but um, what do you think Putin thinks is going to come out of this first face-to-face meeting? Putin's been to this rodeo with several American presidents and nothing about Putin ever changes. In fact, <laughs> the only thing that changes is he seems to get worse in terms of his efforts to kind of interfere in our democracy, to divide us against each other, divide us versus our allies. Uh, to And the, the problem here, I mean, to step back, having been in these summits with Putin, he comes in, he just kind of debates you. He says, actually, all these things are your fault. You're worse. You know, you're doing cyber attacks. You know, right. you, you're responsible <laughs> for the instability everywhere. And there's this kind of whataboutism. And the basic challenge is it's like, you know, you have a bully. And if you don't stand up to the bully, then he keeps bullying you. But if you go and you punch the bully, then sometimes he punches you back and does something worse. And I think that's the what's so interesting about watching this is that like Biden is wrestling with, he probably wants to stop this sense that we're in this kind of escalation with Russia, cyber wars and all the rest of it. But he also needs to stand up to him and and that can provoke a response. And so he's trying to thread this needle and there's no perfect answer. Um, but at least, you know, he's going into the meeting, standing up for the right things, uh, unlike the last president. Right. And- and to that end, obviously, that relationship was, shall we say, more friendly um, for a, a lot of dicey reasons we all know. Um, but going back to Biden for a second, how is he sort of prepping for this meeting? Talking with Putin, like we're saying here, is kind of on a different level from the talks that he's had with other world leaders over the past week or so. How does it uh, change at all, also given what's been going on at NATO and what Biden actually said yesterday, part of which we just played in that clip? I think the first thing is that you know, Joe Biden's in, instincts, everything we know about him as a politician, and certainly my experience with him is, you know, he tries to get in the room and, and build a relationship and, and figure out where can we find common ground. And, and that's normal and usually a very good impulse. It can be something of a trap with a Putin. It's like negotiating with the Republicans taken to the extreme level here, you know. So that's yeah. one thing he has to be careful of. Um, I think the other thing that's in terms of how he's preparing for this, it's interesting, is that over the course of the last couple of days, he's been in the room with a lot of people who have a lot of interest with Russia. Mm-hmm. So the NATO countries, the Eastern European countries, they want more NATO support so that Russia can't mess with them too much. And and they're in his ear too. And so every foreign leader that I've he's been meeting with the last couple of days, I can tell you having been in those rooms before, like say Obama met with Putin, they all have advice, you know, and <laughs> the advice is probably contradictory. He's probably got some people telling him, hey, you need to cool things off. You need to figure out ways to work with the Russians. And he's got other people telling him, hey, you got to go in there and really stand up to the guy. At the end of the day, I think you go in there with a bunch of positions on a bunch of different issues. You lay all that out for Putin. You say, I want to keep an open line with you guys. And maybe we can work together on things like, I don't know, limiting the spread of nuclear weapons. Right. But on these other things, we're just going to have differences with you. And, and here's where they are. And here's where we stand. I think it's when you try to overshoot the runway and, and you try to make some big announcement that that ends up not being cooked or ends up being something that Putin's not going to follow through on, that's when you get into more trouble. So I think better to be realistic here about what you can walk out with. 
Realistic being the key word there. There's a lot <laughs> on the agenda. And uh, obviously, we've been talking about it a little bit, but one of the biggest concerns is hacking by groups that are based in Russia. And, you know, in the past few weeks alone, we're all aware of the fact that these ha uh, hackers were able to shut down a crucial oil pipeline, you know, linking America's South and East, and also the operations of a worldwide meat supplier. Uh, so what kind of movement can we expect on this issue since all indications sort of point to Putin realistically not being bothered uh, by how these hacking groups act. I mean, look, I th so I think here's what Biden wants going into this. A lot of this hacking activity traces back to Russia. There's a question of how much of it might be the Russian government, which clearly was in the case of our election uh, and disinformation campaigns. But some of these ransomware attacks could be these kind of criminal networks that operate in Russia. Skeptics like me kind of assume that it's hard for hackers to operate in a place like Russia that is a pretty totalitarian place without the Russian government at least kind of looking the other way. So I think what Biden wants to come out of there saying is that like you have a responsibility to work with us to put a stop to these ransomware attacks, these cyber attacks on our infrastructure. And in a normal world where nations work together, what we would be doing is sharing information with you like, hey, we see these cyber attacks coming from there. You guys have to go arrest those guys, maybe turn them over to us um, if we don't have confidence in your justice system. Um, and, you know, if you get even a little bit of Russian cooperation out of that, that's better than where we went in. Uh, so, again, even if you're not like totally solving the problem, if you're making it a little bit better and preventing this kind of escalation into like a cyber war between the U.S. and Russia, uh, I think that's a big reason why they had this summit. They didn't like where this felt like it was going, which was kind of like, you know, a low grade war in cyberspace. And the other kind of larger agenda item that we've been circling uh, is the White House planning to bring up the issue of democracies, free press. Um, just last week, you know, a Russian court declared the political party of jailed Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny an extremist group. And Russia has sided with Belarus in that country's hijacking of a commercial jet in order to apprehend a journalist, a story that I still am wrapping my own head around. So what should we be watching for in those specific conversations? I think on that, on those, you know, Putin is going to reject whatever Biden says. Mm -hmm. um, so don't expect any concessions from from Vladimir Putin. I, what I'd be watching for is how much emphasis Biden puts on that set of issues. Um, and and look, because I think there's more that can be done. So if you just look at Alexei Navalny, right, who's who's in prison, whose network has been kind of smashed by Putin. Um, I, you know, I spent a bunch of time talking to Alexei Navalny uh, last summer for this this book, uh, and you know. What he was doing so effectively is he was revealing Vladimir Putin's corruption. And corruption is kind of the vulnerability, the Achilles heel of Putin. And a lot of these autocrats, he's stealing from his own people. He's ostentatiously, fabulously wealthy, along with his circle of, of cronies. And Navalny was exposing that in really kind of investigative journalism and online videos and movies and things. And you know what? America could do that. <laughs> I mean, we I'm sure we know a bit about where... Putin's money is and how corrupt he is and how lavish his lifestyle is. And if we really wanted to go on offense, like we could basically say, if you're going to silence these voices, we're just going to do what they were doing and publicize this to the world. So how much Biden leans into this stuff is kind of part of what I would look at because it's hard to do. But Putin has gone to such extremities, like you said, like, look, when, when you are hijacking a commercial airliner flying from Greece to Lithuania so you can land it, and detain and torture some guy who's just a journalist, that kind of implicates all of us. Cause right. like anybody could get on a plane anywhere and, and, and it could land in the wrong place, you know? Um, yeah. so I, I think, I think he should hopefully lean into this stuff. 
And, you know, just following with that, you know, are there any other sort of smaller scale issues that we could see these two leaders coming together on? Right now, there's this kind of effort to get back into the Obama era Iran nuclear deal, where Russia is a party to those negotiations and has influence on Iran. That may be on the table. Um, uh, but like, you know, I think the the, the bigger question that, that I would introduce here that is like obviously front and center for you guys every day is that often these things are framed as like, oh, what does Putin want? Does he want sanctions relief? Does he want, you know, the United States to give this thing and Ukraine in exchange for that thing? I think what Putin has wanted for a long time is basically for American democracy to unravel. He wants democracy to fail everywhere because he's an autocrat and the failure of democracy is good for him. And it and kind of turns America into its worst version of itself. And so honestly, the work that Joe Biden has to do when he comes home to, to try to deal with issues related to voting rights, to try to deal with issues like uh, election integrity, to, to be, just make our multiracial, multi-ethnic democracy work, is actually the most important thing he has to do to stand up to Vladimir Putin. Um, and, and, and so I think that, you know, the, 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 the blending of foreign and domestic issues is such that we have to realize Putin gets that. That's why Putin is trying to create like divisions in the Black Lives Matter movement or Putin's right. probably exactly. pouring gasoline on the QAnon fire, right? Because he gets that the real ball game is like whether American society holds together or not, you know? So, so that's like, to me, that's the kind of subtext of this whole summit. Well, this was excellent. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, ben Rhodes, co-host of Pod Save the World, former deputy national security advisor for President Obama and author of the new book, the new best-selling, New York Times best-selling book, <laughs> After the Fall, Being American in the World We've Made. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, guys. And that's the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, and that's not because I have a green thumb, Okay. This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. One person was killed after someone drove their car through a crowd of demonstrators in Minneapolis over the weekend. People gathered at an intersection on Sunday night to protest against the U.S. Marshal's killing of Winston Smith earlier this month. The protesters had blockaded an area of the road with their cars, but it did not stop the driver from ramming through at a high speed. Three other protesters were injured in the incident. Not much is known about the driver, but they have been arrested and taken into police custody. The victim was 31-year-old Diona M. Kanidek. A protester told the New York Times she was a kind, uplifting spirit who had just recently joined the BLM movement in Minneapolis. American biotech company Novavax announced that their COVID-19 vaccine passed the phase three clinical trial with flying colors. The fashionably late vaccine demonstrated an overall efficacy rate of over 90.4 percent, which is on par with Pfizer and Moderna's rates. At this point, the U.S. has more than enough vaccine supply available in the country, so it's still uncertain where exactly these new shots would go. The company says it might not seek emergency use authorization from the FDA until later this year. It might be a while before the shots will be okayed for the public, so some experts are saying it could could potentially be the booster shot we might need later on. In other COVID-related news, the UK announced that it will be delaying its official reopening by four weeks following an upswing in cases of the Delta variant. Mm. A House lawmaker was able to turn her own mistake into a teaching moment yesterday, reminding the Mm. country that describing personal pet peeves as like the Holocaust is actually kind of problematic. That person was, of course, human road rage incident Marjorie Taylor Greene. She formally apologized for repeatedly equating genocide against Jewish people with a mask requirement in the House after visiting the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in D.C. and noticing a few key differences. Uh, Greene did not retract her comments about today's Democratic Party being like the Nazi Party, so she might want to do one more museum visit and maybe purchase an annual pass while she's at it. There still (laughs) could be a resolution to censure Greene coming later in the week from Democratic Representative Brad Schneider. From House Republicans, whose anti-Semitism detector is not known to be reliable, a motion was introduced yesterday to censure Representatives Ilhan Omar, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley for their recent criticism of Israel. The resolution's authors say that by calling out Israel's human rights violations, the four squad members were inciting violence against Jews. This is yet another installment in the detestable series Gentiles Doing Bad Faith Caring. Personally, I'm moved, but I am begging for it to stop. Yeah, uh, cosine. Well, sad news about the world's most petable viral vector. Dogs from over 100 countries were barred from import into the U.S. by the CDC yesterday following an uptick in falsified rabies records. During the all-out pup rush that took over in 2020, many Americans looked for dogs abroad. Hmm. 
incentivizing <laughs> some vendors to get proof of vaccination from famous veterinarian Dr. Adobe Photoshop. The countries that got dog blocked are the ones the CDC considers to be high risk for rabies, and they account for just 6% of dogs brought into the U.S. each year. And since we are discussing pets, I'm required to mention the large scrub brush with eyes that won the <laughs> Westminster Dog Show this weekend. Wasabi the Pekingese took home best in show, reminding anyone whose body wants to kill them because of genetic engineering that they are capable of greatness. The runner-up was a dog named after two ingredients for the perfect party, bourbon the Whippet. Wasabi looks a lot like Danny DeVito in the Sea of Wig, I'm just saying. I, I feel like he should have won. <laughs> Those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, party with bourbon the Whippet, and tell your friends to listen. <laughs> And if you're into reading and not just the most elementary school level summary of World War II like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And congrats congrats to to the the scrub scrub brush. brush. Yeah, uh, you know, representation matters, so I guess weird little dogs gotta win stuff. Yeah, it's time. Gremlin little dogs (laughs) need a prize. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. I'm Oren Siegel, and I've been fighting extremism, anti-Semitism, and hate for more than 20 years. You should subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, to get a unique perspective on the daily work and the people who have dedicated their lives to exposing, fighting, and disrupting extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hate. We bring you the stories of people and communities not only impacted by hate, but who offer new perspectives and ways to push back. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.